from New York City, the city of ambition, aspiration, and desire, this is Populax with Fomai Sirdari. Populax is the place where we bring attention to objects of personal luxury, objects of desire, objects that have shaped our experience. Through Populax, I hope to bring to you all the fun and profound ways my guests, accomplished creatives from across ages, cultures, and professions, relate to one object of desire at a time. My guest today is Whitney Jordan, a former student who graduated from the Fashion and Luxury MBA at NYU Stern School of Business and embarked on a career in consulting. You will hear more about her career steps in today's episode. After my conversation with Whitney, I became obsessed with the idea of the it bag and the it girl. The Cambridge Dictionary Online defines the it girl as a famous young woman who is known for going to a lot of parties and social events. Lexico, an online platform powered by Oxford, maintains that the term was originally coined by the American screenwriter Eleanor Glynn with reference to the American actress and sex symbol Clara Bow, who made her name in such films as It filmed in 1927. The term became popular again in the 1960s. No such attribution exists for the it bag, however. Although, according to most sources on Google, the term became ubiquitous in the early 1990s when designers understood the power of branding through a coveted item like a popular and high-priced bag. On Vogue.com, you can find a Hall of Fame of all it bags that have made history. And as luck would have it, the Business of Fashion published a new report on the new era of designer bags just yesterday. So why such obsession with that type of accessory? Whitney will tell us all about it. I chose the Stella McCartney Falabella bag. The Falabella bag, that bag that uh, totally disrupted the field of, of luxury market for bags. And why? Why did I choose it? Yes. So it was honestly my first like luxury purchase. And when I moved to New York, I moved to New York because I was working a very high-end gallery job. And I was coming from the Midwest and Chicago, and I really had no wardrobe. And so a very wealthy couple had helped me get the job. And as, you know, kind of a gift to be moving to New York, they like gifted me kind of a styling session at Nordstrom. And so went, I know. very, very <laughs> I also got a Burberry Trends. I, I totally forgot about that. Very, very nice couple. Um, but I remember like got a styling session and she, the stylist originally gave me like the Balenciaga, like, like motor bag with the strings. And I was like, this is not really my vibe, but I felt, and she had the Falabella too. And I like loved it. 
for some reason I took Balenciaga because I guess it felt more luxurious, but I had to, I had to return something for some reason. And I, and I exchanged the bag. I was like, I actually prefer the, the Stella McCartney one. And give us, give us the timing. I know that the bag launched in 2009. When mm-hmm. was that happening for you? Yeah, this is 2010. This was winter of 2010. Okay. So just and out. This bag was just, just out. out. Yes. But I had no, yeah, I had no kind of like knowledge of that, but kind of, I'm trying to think who was really popular at that time, but kind of like that kind of rock star chic look was in. And when I put it on my shoulder, it just immediately like pulled together any outfit. And it just felt very like New York cool. Like, you know, kind of the hipster scene was starting to, you know, gain momentum. And I had had my pulse on it all throughout college. And so it just felt like such a cool addition and kind of like a welcome, a perfect like welcome to New York gift. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting you said it was popular. I wouldn't use the word popular because, sure, it has become an iconic item, but but I think that 2009 was really yeah. very early. So that was really an avant-garde item for two reasons, right? One is the sustainability issue, which mm-hmm. Stella McCartney is, is really one of the best companies that introduced the idea that sustainability does not have to exclude style. Mm-hmm. And the second factor is what you're describing. So could you describe this bag with, with you know, adjectives and, and uh, in, a, in a really tangible way so that we understand what is it so special about it? Yeah, well, it's just like, just thinking through, I guess, like the texture of it, it's vegan, but it has kind of like a gritty kind of feel to it. And the, the sheen of it is really gorgeous too. It kind of has like a metallic sheen and the best part about it is definitely kind of the metal thread that surrounds the bag or that kind of threads it together. And it's really, really heavy metal chains. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I said it's kind of my like rock star purse because it's, it's very heavy and I had the large one. And so you kind of, you can put a lot of things, Mm -hmm. things in it. And I think that's why it survived so many years, but it's like a very beautiful kind of metallic bag. Yeah. It's really, um, I see it as really great example of good design because the 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 bag itself is very slouchy, very mm-hmm. free, very uh, shapeless in a way, yeah. except for that chain trim around it that becomes the shoulder chain and 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 gives it that very um, sharp look and also a look that can be carried throughout the day, right? Because yeah. it's not too shiny for the morning, but then it, it, it becomes shiny as, as uh, you know, the, the day progresses and it's evening and the evening hours. Why has it remained a staple in your wardrobe for you? Yeah. I mean, I think one of it is like nostalgia, right? I'm like one of those people who has clothes for years and years on end. And, you know, it just, it meant, it marked so much for me, like only, not only was I graduating college and entering this kind of like foreign, like fine art world and kind of to your point, like I remember like having to, you know, wear it to the gallery, then wearing it to a gallery event afterwards and like meeting kind of that, you know, day to night look, but also just because it, 
you know, kind of my style has stayed the same and it, it still embodies that like, you know, interested in kind of like rock and roll, interested in sustainability. You know, I think one of the reasons why I like the bag too is, this is kind of silly, but I was a huge Beatles fan. And so wow. kind of like having... <laughs> you know, Stella McCartney, she had just left Chloe or, and kind of developed this, this new brand. And so that was really interesting to me, but yeah, I think too, it's just one of my first big designer purchases and it just kind of marked this, this time of me like entering New York. And it feels very much to me like a New York bag, right? Like, I feel like you can't really wear this bag in LA because it's like, most iterations of it are black. I know mm-hmm. she came out with a tan one, but it's black. It's like heavy chains. It's, you know, kind of a, a thicker material. And so yes. it just feels like a really cool, like quintessential New York, New York object. Yeah, it has totally. gotten some wear and tear to it. It's like, I only wear it on special occasions, but I was a little reckless about it when I was younger, for sure. I, I was about to say you abused <laughs> it at the beginning, uh, yeah. but, but it, it, uh, you know, it's still there with you. It's, it's not just the bag there for you. Sure. It represents luxury because you're a person with sophisticated and and really wonderful style so this mm-hmm. is something that comes from you it's innate it, you actually you're someone who changed careers you left the art world and and in fact went into fashion tell us a little bit about these changes and what has been this driving force that has kept you changing but at the same time I feel that you're keeping um really your path is very straightforward I mean it's it's it it makes sense so tell us about it yeah of course so backing up I went to an arts high school um and so was very fortunate to from sixth grade through 12th grade be surrounded by artists and create creatives and so I always knew like I want to go work at a museum and even when I was an undergrad at Northwestern, like I majored in one of my first classes was like a pre-Columbian art class. And I was like, wow, this is something that extremely fascinates me. And so throughout undergrad, I was sure I was like, I'm going to go to work in a museum, be a curator, even though I had had internships with like artists. But again, kind of this, this gallery position opened up and I didn't understand the world of galleries at all. And you know, it was very sales driven and very kind of like relationship building. And I was pretty, I was like an introvert, you know, when I, I still am, but especially after college and I really didn't see that pathway. And again, this was kind of, it's 2010. So it's like the rise of Perez Hilton Mm -hmm. blogs are really huge. And I was gravitated. I always tell this story, but like when I would go home, you know, I wouldn't be looking at like art news or, you know, art forum. I would be looking at, you know, what were like, what was street style and fashion and beauty. And so I've always been someone who, you know, when your gut tells you to go somewhere, kind of like follow that, follow your passions. And so I was like, you know what? I don't think art's for me. I can't see myself, you know, selling million dollar paintings. And so I decided to transition into fashion because that was something that I was really passionate about. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like the idea of loving something and then working and doing it sounded amazing to me. And it it wasn't an easy road. It was so many conversations I had to have, so many kind of like entry level, entry level jobs until I, you know, kind of realized that I loved buying because it combined kind of this like right side and left side of my brain. And then when I got to my role at J Crew. That was like a really interesting position. And 
because I was working more on the business side and like negotiating contracts and kind of having to understand the client side and kind of what they were looking for. And, but also being really in tune with the designers and, you know, understanding like what they wanted out of a collaboration and what their design process was. And so I really loved both of those. And I felt like I needed to, to understand the business side better and so that's where business school came in at and the, the fashion and luxury program. Wonderful. But it makes sense because your, your training in, in, in the visual arts in general and understanding concepts behind something that you're looking at is what you need in order to be able to decipher which ones of mm-hmm. these new designs are going to be more sticky. They're going to be appealing to the consumer and uh, and and always be a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of styles and behaviors what other items do you think you have identified in your let's say the last 10 or 12 years as those iconic sometimes unattainable luxury items that you think would complete this this image that you are creating about yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I have this beautiful Oscar de la Renta vintage dress that I need to do more research on it. But sometime, I think like in the 80s, he did a partnership with like an intimates company. So it's actually like a pajamas. Ah. But it's this really beautiful, bold graphic print And it has like a really gorgeous shape to it. And I've had it probably either since high school or since like early college. And it feels very like kind of art collector-ish to me. But I also am someone who kind of like, I wear it all the time. Like, (laughs) Like I could wear it with flats and, you know, kind of with strappy sandals. And so it kind of taps into that that like side of me that wasn't, but also kind of this like current day, like young single Whitney. And I Mm -hmm. am even like, if I, if it kind of maintains, like, you know, I'll have it when I'm older, I'll have some kind of iteration of it. And so it's kind of like a past present future that, that I really love. This is great. And actually it reminds me that you make a great distinction between fashion and style Mm -hmm. because People today may be acquiring a lot of fashion items, but that does not make someone necessarily stylish, right? You look as if you came out of a uh, a spread of a, you know, glossy magazine, and then you're talking about style, very, very similar to how art collectors are collecting their Mm -hmm. artworks with based on values that speak to you, perhaps it's color, right? I guess you like color a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, they um, do. And, and you like textures and, and you like things that have this idea of timelessness in them. Yeah. So in a way, you probably haven't seen your wardrobe. Now I want to come and visit you and see your <laughs> wardrobe. But it seems to me that I would discover in it things that have those more transcendent parts of what good design is, what stylish design is, and this is what makes a good garment. I was just going to say, I think that comes from like my childhood. Like I was great raised like working class and we all, my mom loved thrift stores 
And it wasn't, it was like a financial thing. Mm -hmm. And so I just have always had that knack to be able to kind of find nice things that weren't really expensive or really kind of find the value in, you know, secondhand garments or like vintage garments. And then my high school boyfriend, his mom owns one of the oldest running vintage stores in Ohio. And, and so, you know, I would go there and she, she would say that she like, doesn't have a great sense of style, but she has an eye and, you know, I would be able to see kind of like, you know, how she chose garments and like, you know, her kind of selection of, of pieces and accessories and her notes for design. And so when people, I think that's kind of the benefit of really being from the Midwest and kind of having this background of thrifting is I'm not a, I'm not a stomp when it comes to fashion. Like people will, you know, ask me their opinion on their wardrobes and clothes. And I'm like, you know, style is like internal, you know, yes. it's, it's kind of like it, the best style is like how you feel and you just, you know, put things on. And so that's kind of a, a benefit for me. I try not to take it too seriously. Yes, it should. And right. It's what moves you on a particular day and what makes you happy or any other kind of emotion that you want to to create for yourself. And, and you just change it the following day if you feel like it. I wonder, have you kept in touch with uh, these very nice people who introduced you to the gallery world? <laughs> You know, it's funny. My, my aunt, whose friends they are, the guy is actually turning 90. And so for, for graduation, she asked me if I was sending him, if I sent them an announcement. I haven't, but I should, I should send them kind of a, a thank so. you card and a <laughs> reminder. Yeah. Because they were, yeah, kind of the, the kickoff to my career. And what an amazing of- opportunity. There are people like that everywhere. And, uh, and, and I can picture you coming to New York City, but New York City can be very intimidating. And, yeah. and I think the fact that you went back and, and, and uh, exchanged that Balenciaga bag, do you remember which Balenciaga bag that was or... I'll have to send it to you. It's like yeah. the very, it's the very popular one with the strings coming off of it. I see. Yes. I don't remember mm-hmm. the name of it either, but, but there was something that showed you in that uh, Stella McCartney bag that there was longevity in this mm-hmm. new step that you took by coming to New York city. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting. I didn't used to, I, then and now you don't see that bag a lot around New York City. Like there would be like a handful of times, like sometimes I see it, but I would always see the Balenciaga bag. And I actually one time saw a woman with the bag and I guess Stella McCartney had done like a limited edition run with an artist. And so there was like a very beautiful, like outline drawing of a woman on the bag. And so she's done some like pretty cool things with it in the years. But yes. yeah, I also, I kind of treasure that about me too, is I always like kind of the unique things or the things yes. that not a lot of people do and unknowing at the time, but I, not a lot of people have that bag or at least yes. I kind of wore it a lot. Isn't that also the irony about luxury that in the end, the luxury items that we see in abundance out in the streets are not necessarily the ones that are going to hold their value in the long term, mm-hmm. precisely because they have been produced in incredible amounts of numbers and they're just way too many, right? So the exclusivity and the popularity are constantly working against each other, whereas who knows who are the other 
lucky ladies who own the <laughs> the Falabella bag. What a beautiful, what a beautiful name also. Yeah. But I've seen she has done several iterations of it with mm-hmm. different materials, always, of course, sustainable materials, because that's the whole idea, right? Vegan style with emphasis on style as opposed to vegan, which had been the main way fashion designers were approaching that sort of uh, practice at the time. And, uh, and, and we see today that it's still being worked out because yeah. uh, luxury brands have not figured out what type of materials would use to substitute leather. Tell us about what you're doing now. Yeah, of course. So I am a consultant, a strategy consultant at a firm, and I am working primarily with consumer goods and and retail clients. And I chose consulting because it's kind of coming from industry. I just, I really wanted to learn more about kind of the, the other industries especially with retail, you know, understanding store, stores, understanding, you know, how AI and the metaverse are mm. kind of like imploding in, in retail. And also because I had come from two beleaguered companies like J. Crew and Macy's really, and had seen them working with consulting consultants. I really wanted to understand kind of what the other side looked like, like what is the like business cases you build to kind of work with a retail client. And it's been, Mm -hmm. it's been really rewarding. It's definitely had its challenges, but, you know, I'm slowly starting to learn how to kind of put my industry background, you know, my creative background into the work I'm doing and that's being welcomed, which is one of the reasons why I chose the firm. Wonderful. Any big questions that interest you in the space? Yeah. You know, I am, I'm really gaining an interest and the firm is too. So it's great, but I'm really interested in how companies will like embrace sustainability. I think, you know, more and more it becomes a, a buzz that you, we shouldn't be turning away from. And, you know, fashion is one of the greatest contributors to climate change. And so I really am interested in how we can, you know, make worthwhile proposals to these companies to, you know, do their part. I think also I'm interested in the metaverse and, you know, really thinking about how Gen Z and Gen Alpha now will kind of interact with, with brands and with companies and kind of what that customer acquisition looks like. So I've always been someone who is a little bit but has always been really interested in stores and (laughs) old fashioned. And so now I'm trying to kind of embrace the, the metaverse actually someone I'm staying with in this trip. She told me about it because she has like a six-year-old nephew and she's like, wait, you can't ignore this. Like all he does is like Roblox and, Mm. and, you know, buying avatars and, you know, he's on his iPad and really that's the only way they know how to like socialize and communicate. And so it's understanding kind of like Mm. what that customer, what that shopping experience will look like in, you know, five to 10 years when they're able to, to spend. I've been thinking about something and would love to pick your brain on it. Um, So I have been struggling with this because I own a lot of American apparel clothing and I've had it for years and I absolutely love it, but it's just, 
kind of the history of that brand and the history of the founder and how he was impacted by the Me Too movement. I mean, they were saying it years before then, but I just struggle with, you know, loving these pieces of clothing and kind of looking at them as not like heirloom products, but products that, you know, still have the same quality. They still look great on me. They're like one of my treasured, some of my treasured pieces. And so I just kind of wanted to to get your thoughts on it. You know, I believe in the value of history in the sense that we need to look at everything, whether there are negative aspects around it or positive or uh, things are, that we're still confused about. And and I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't sell it because, uh, first of all, it makes you feel good. And, and that's already something positive. But also, since I know that you have intentions to continue your studies and maybe even uh, embark on a doctorate, I think these are the types of collections that can actually serve you as the grounding pieces that are going to provide opportunities for research and really make your research very personal and very different from what other people are writing. No, yeah, I think that's a great I think that's a great point. And yeah, there is something to it. And gosh, I remember loving American Apparel in college and you know, it was a little bit above my price point. And so that idea of like saving up for it, you know, if there was like a special event on campus, like getting something from from the store. And and even, I don't know if you ever went into the stores, but the stores were kind of like (laughs) experiences into themselves. Yes. Yes, I agree with you. And also what a nice visual, right? That of a young person saving up and and having an experience there. I think this is something that has been lost and Mm -hmm. hopefully uh, brands are returning to that sort of physical environment. Yeah. And even just at that price point that the quality of these clothes like still last. You know, I wore one of the dresses yesterday and I was just like, wow, it still still looks good. And, yeah. You know, isn't tattered. So thank you for that perspective because, you know, I've been wanting to post it on social media and be like, oh my gosh, I'm still wearing my American apparel <laughs> clothes, but kind of have been hesitant because of the negative fallout, like rightfully so. So no, I think that's uh yeah, I think I I I believe in preserving, right? Learning from mistakes. And the best way to learn is to further analyze, you know, what is it about it that makes you feel good and who was the person who contributed in creating that item to make you feel good. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and have an amazing weekend. You too, Professor. From New York City, the city of ambition, aspiration, and desire, this is Populax with Fomai Serdari. Populax is the place where we bring attention to objects of personal luxury, objects of desire, objects that have shaped our experience. Populax is a series of stories of desire recounted around one object at a time.